0: If you remember back in Advent, about a month ago or so, we had that reading from Isaiah 40 made popular or famous by the song, the hymn that we sang with it, Comfort, comfort ye my people, speak ye peace, thus saith our God, comfort, comfort my people. And in fact, Isaiah 40, if you want to divide it this way, pretty much marks the division between the first half and the second half of Isaiah. And if you look at the second half of Isaiah, it actually tracks pretty well with our church here, starting in Advent, Advent, comfort, comfort, my people, Isaiah 40, going all the way to Easter. If you look closer to the end of the book at chapter 53, you hear of the suffering servant, the lamb that goes uncomplaining forth, smitten, stricken, and afflicted, pierced for our transgressions. That would be Good Friday. If you read along that second half of Isaiah, it tracks pretty well with our church here. And today, in the season of Epiphany, the season between Advent, Christmas, and the season between that and Lent, we get this reading from Isaiah 42. In the middle of 40... And 53 from Isaiah 42 and this prophecy from God, this prophecy spoken through the prophet Isaiah, it tells of one of the greatest epiphany stories. It tells of Jesus baptism. And that works pretty well because epiphany is about answering the question, what was that comfort in Advent? What was that baby Jesus in Christmas? Who is he? How is that going to come? What was that all about? Epiphany answers that question because Epiphany is the revealing, the showing forth of who Jesus, who that baby in the manger, who that one who is said to bring the comfort, the return from exile. Who is he? How does that comfort from Isaiah 40 come We find out in Isaiah 42 that it comes through the servant. Verse 1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight, in whom my soul delights. That's what God the Father says. He says he has a servant. He says he has a chosen one. He says he has one in whom he is delighted. And it is through that servant's baptism. Isaiah prophesied this long ago. The baptism was far off, but yet it is through that servant's baptism that we celebrate today, Jesus himself, that the comfort comes. It is through that baptism that we celebrate today that that baby Jesus, the one who brings the return from exile, is revealed in a fuller, more manifest way. He is baptized. The servant is baptized. And why? Baptized for a reason. reason. We're going to talk about this more, but you can look at the end of the passage from Isaiah 42 today. Baptized to set the prisoners free. The servant is baptized to set the prisoners free free. So let's talk about the servant first. Today we see a greater revealing of the servant, Jesus. First of all, he is the one, this comes out in both Isaiah and in Matthew, the one whom the father sends. He says in both places, this is my, in Isaiah, chosen one, in Matthew, my son a greater revealing of who he is. The servant is the son of God. The servant is none other than Jesus himself. Notice the parallel in whom I soul delights, the, the one with whom I am well pleased. He is the true son of God, both God and man. If you didn't recognize it at the birth When the angels sang and the shepherds sang, if you didn't recognize it when the wise men came last week at Epiphany, you have to recognize it now. This is the Holy Trinity. In fact, I like to tell people if they question the doctrine of the Trinity, the Bible never uses the word Trinity. So sometimes this is a little bit of a stumbling block for people. The best place to look is, in fact, at Matthew three. The baptism of Jesus, because there you see the Holy Trinity, full action. The Son of God is baptized. The Father's voice comes down from above and says very clearly, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit descends on him from above. The Trinity, full action, very clearly. He is God in the flesh. Now, I like the title that Isaiah uses for the Son of God, for Jesus Christ. He could call him lots of things. In fact, Isaiah does like to call him lots of things. You can think back to that Christmas reading in Isaiah 9, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, all sorts of names for Jesus. But here he calls him one thing, the Servant. And you know the nature of a servant, Jesus himself, will tell you in his ministry, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. Jesus comes in humility. When you recognize who Jesus is in his revealing at Epiphany, at the baptism, he is God in the flesh, the God who stretched out the heavens and made the earth and everything in it. You would think he could come in some more pomp and circumstance but he does not. He comes as a humble and lowly servant to serve you, to serve us all. Isaiah describes it this way, he will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street and you can see that playing out in Matthew 3 when he comes to John and he simply asks, you can kind of imagine him probably just being someone in the crowd Remember, John had said, There's one standing among you who you do not know, whose sandal strap I am unworthy to untie. Jesus, standing in the crowd, comes forth to John and just asks, I want to be baptized too, humbly. John knows what's going on. He says, Not me. I should be baptized by you. John knows who he is. John has faith. John has had faith since he was in the womb and leapt in his mother Elizabeth's womb at the connection with Jesus when Mary came to visit Elizabeth. But he comes humbly anyway. And he says, no, this is what is right. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. He comes in humility. There's one more thing about this title that Isaiah uses that I want to point out. The servant. This is the same servant that Isaiah is going to describe as we already discussed in chapters 53 and the surrounding chapters. This is the suffering servant. Oftentimes when we think about the suffering servant, we only think about Good Friday. But this servant appears in the prophecy of Isaiah multiple times introduced actually here in Isaiah 42. This is the The servant, the lamb. This is the servant who is, as Isaiah says in chapter 53, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Like a lamb led to a slaughter, he opens not his mouth. The servant who is baptized in Matthew 3 is the same suffering servant who goes to the cross, In Matthew 26. The servant is Jesus Christ. And the reason I point that out is not just because Isaiah makes the connection with this term servant in those two chapters. But the reason I point that out is because you cannot and you should not separate Jesus baptism and Jesus death. For the reason that Jesus is baptized is to start his ministry to go to the cross. Jesus' cross and baptism cannot be separated. It might be hard right now in this season to think all the way forward to Good Friday. It is hard to think of that baby Jesus from the last couple weeks and this glorious Jesus from his baptism as the one who will be stripped naked, pierced with thorns, whipped, and hung on a cross. But that is exactly who that Jesus is, and it is all connected. In fact, it is the blood shed on that cross that will make Jesus' baptism and your baptism from that powerful. You can remember what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. You who are baptized into Christ, you have died with Christ. It is the blood of the cross that makes powerful the water of baptism. Jesus is baptized so that he can go to the cross. And that brings us to this question, why baptized? Jesus, as you know, did not have any sin. Why would he go to John's baptism of repentance? He has no reason to repent. He has nothing to repent of. But yet Isaiah prophesies this, I will put my spirit on him. The first reason Jesus must be baptized is so that he can bring justice, or another word for justice, righteousness to the nations by receiving the spirit and doing the Father's work. He is not baptized to repent of his sins. He doesn't have any, but he is baptized at his father's command. Isaiah prophesied it long ago. I will put my spirit on him. And at his baptism, the spirit descends on him to send him out. And through that, he, can, he starts to and he continues to bring righteousness to the nations. And that leads us to the next reason why Jesus is baptized, perhaps more important, although it's all really connected. Is that this is the establishment of Christian baptism. When Jesus is baptized, he is doing something magnificent. When Jesus is baptized, he is starting to partake in and he already has been. You can think of when he's taken to the temple to fulfill the law. He is beginning his ministry of substitutionary atonement. He says to John, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is baptized not for his righteousness. He is already righteous, but he is baptized to bring righteousness, as Isaiah says, to the nations. He is baptized a sinner's baptism so that sinners can be baptized in his baptism. Whenever he goes down into those waters, it is not to wash away his sin. It is to take on our sin that flows out into those waters. And it is to put his righteousness into those waters, to sanctify those waters with his blessed righteousness. That when we are baptized, we would receive him. We would receive His righteousness. And so now, when we are baptized, we are baptized, as we said, into His baptism and into what He is baptized for, His death and resurrection. And we are given His righteousness, His life, His death to sin, His forgiveness. And that brings us to the final point which is what Jesus' baptism accomplishes. Isaiah is very clear on this whenever he speaks about this prophecy of Jesus' baptism. It is all for a very distinct, very clear purpose. I'm going to read 5-7 to seven again. Thus says God the Lord, He is baptized for a purpose, and that is to ultimately set you free. First, by establishing Christian baptism, which he will later tell his disciples, go forth and give to all nations, make disciples out of all nations and bring them this baptism, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Also, that substitutionary atonement we talked about, baptized to take on our sin, to journey to the cross. If you keep reading right after Jesus' baptism, the Spirit descends on him and then the Spirit sends him forth to do battle with the devil for us. To do battle with the devil in our place. But finally, this, that through that baptism and through that atonement, through that death on the cross, and through that resurrection from the grave, we would be set free from sin. In our baptism, Jesus sets us free from a life, from a prison of sin, death, and the devil. Isaiah prophesied this long ago. But it was God's plan for salvation that this baptism, both Jesus, and yours even 2,000 years after Jesus' baptism, would come to be. Think about this. I love the way Isaiah puts it. That the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who stretched out the heavens, from all the largest planets to all the stars that you see in the sky on a clear night, To the God who created the earth and everything in it down to the tiniest atoms and cells that you can't even see. That that God who created all things, who works in all things, in whom all things move and live and have their being. That God wanted you to be baptized. He came to you. In Jesus' baptism, he came to you in your baptism, and he did, as Isaiah says, take you by the hand. He called you his own. He grabbed you out of the prison of darkness, out of the prison of sin, out of the prison of the shackles of the devil. And he set you free in those waters. He planned it from long before you ever existed from long before you ever even thought about the word baptism or the word water, he decided to call you into his life, into his ministry, into his death, into his resurrection. Because he loved you in Christ and he wanted you to live in Christ. And that servant who came humbly Down from heaven, the God who stretched out the heavens, the God who spoke the world into creation, that servant came down from heaven and he saw you. And he said, a bruised reed, I will not break. A faintly burning wick, I will not quench. I will go out, I will find them. And so, dear saints, baptized into him, called by his name taken by his hand. Join him now, this epiphany on that mission. It has been revealed to you today who Jesus is, the Son of God for your salvation. And I know you know someone who fits that description, a bruised reed, a faintly burning wick. Jesus does not want to crush them. Jesus wants them here, The chairs are pretty full today, but there are still lots of empty chairs. So go and reveal this epiphany, Jesus, to those. To those who you know who should be in these chairs next to you, let them know what the creator of the universe did for them long before they ever even thought about it. Let them know what the creator of the universe did for you and what it means in your life, and bring them here to share in the gifts of Christ's baptism, which are endless, grace upon grace, overflowing with his mercy for you as you remember your baptism day by day. To that Christ be all the honor and glory and power, now and forever. Amen.